Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. What can God do when he gets a hold of someone born with the spiritual gift of ADD? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Mission Show, episode 186, with Danny Mackay. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks for joining us at the Engaging Missions Show. We provide ways for you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. This week, we're going to be talking about seeing powerful transformations in the lives of people that our guest is working with. And we're also going to hear an amazing story of how God worked in his life. I do want to mention that ordinarily, I would have some resources available for you from Global Initiative and also maybe a little bit from Brian Hogan's book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub. But this week, we're going to take a little bit of a break from that. I do, however, want to share with you an insight that I had earlier this week. So you'll want to make sure that you stick around to the very end. It might just very well speak to you. I do want to say welcome to Kuda, Rick, and Jennifer. Uh, Kuda and Rick recently liked our Facebook page. You can do that at engage. I'm sorry, at Facebook.com/slash/engagingmissions. And Jennifer recently subscribed to our email newsletter. If you're interested in that, you'll find that at engagingmissions.com/slash/subscribe. I would love to hear from you. I'd like to know if you like what I'm doing with the show, if there's something that you'd like to see changed, maybe a topic that you'd like to see covered, uh, something that you'd like to see added to the show. Shoot me an email at feedback at engagingmissions.com. I'd love to hear from you because I'm looking for ideas for ways to serve you better. And also, just a quick heads up, in the next few weeks, I'm planning to start putting together an episode that will feature input from you. So make sure that you keep coming back and keep your ears open for more details. With that, we're going to get into our interview with Danny Mackay. All right, let's get started. Today, I am incredibly excited to have with me Danny McKay. He's the national ambassador for E3 Partners and also I Am Second in Canada. So Danny, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. It's great to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Now, I'm thinking about this, and I thought maybe we just kind of start off by setting the stage. A lot of the people that listen to the show are here in the U.S., but you know, we maybe don't necessarily know a whole lot about our neighbors to the north. So can you share just maybe a little bit about where you're located and what's going on right now? Yeah, sure. If you were to head to North Dakota and then just keep going, you'd hit the part of Canada where, where I live. I'm only about an hour and a half across the border and in, in Manitoba, which is right in the middle of Canada. And so I help the team here across Canada, do a lot of recruitment, a lot of speaking, a lot of training and teaching on evangelism and discipleship, as well as lead teams to unreached parts of the world. So get to get to travel outside of Canada, but also have 
one foot firmly planted here in, in my own home country. So it's a real, real joy to do that. that that's really great. And it's, it's neat to hear North Dakota mentioned. That's actually where I grew up. So I, I knew where Manitoba was, but you know, normally people don't give directions by North Dakota. So that's, that's kind of funny for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no kidding. You go to the one state that nobody can remember because everybody talks to me and they think, oh, you must be from South Dakota. I'm like, no, not originally. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently well, we people... like to refer to we like to refer to those states as South Canada, South Canada. So, yeah. yeah. I, I tell you what, it definitely felt like it when I was growing up. It, it, you know, we were I was probably two hours south of Canada. So we, we were familiar with the weather and all that fun stuff. Now, as um, I'm thinking about getting to know you a little bit. I'm wondering, was there a time in your life when God maybe moved you through a significant transformation where God really did something powerful that transformed who you are? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was a really wild kid born with what I call the spiritual gift of ADD. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, so I just, I, you know, I could never sit still and I was always that kid that your, your parents didn't want you to want you to hang out with. And you know, so you know, I got in trouble at a very young age. It just became this this pattern in my life. In fact, the first time I was arrested or was in trouble with the police, and they brought me home was was at the age of five. Wow. And, uh, so some friends, some friends of mine and I had broken a whole bunch of windows in some houses that were being built across the street from us, and I just kind of sparked this pattern in my life of you know mischief. And and it started out you know even as I went into junior high and to high school as, as pretty minor things. But then one year my parents moved out to a a small town called Stonewall, about 45 minutes outside of where we lived in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And there I found myself in high school, just, you know, in a new town, new school, a lot to prove and to try to fit in. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm kind of being pulled into the party scene and that's where alcohol and drugs really kind of started into my life. And by the time I was 16, it had completely taken over. And I was wandering in and out off the streets. I was getting in trouble with with the police, you know. And, and through it all, I just was really just trying to belong, was just trying to find some peace, was just trying to to find some any, anything that would just sort of fulfill and give me a sense of belonging and and joy, you know, but nothing was, was working. And at a very desperate time in my life, I decided to run away from home. So stole a car at about one thirty in the morning and took off and, and ran away. And I had a great, well thought out plan of getting to the West coast and get a job on a ship and go and see the world. That was pretty much my plan. And in one small town actually kind of got involved in a, a bit of a police chase, involved about six police cars and managed to, to get away. But that really shook me up. You know, that, that made the heart pound quite a bit and decided to actually turn around and, and go back home and didn't think now at this point that I was going to make it. They had some of the roads blocked off now. And so, so started going down some, some back roads and reached into the back of the car and started rifling through a backpack that was in there. And in this backpack was an outreach book to teenagers. And it was called Stairway to Hell by Rick Jones. And it captured me because I saw the title, you know, Stairway to Hell, Hope for Today's Teen. And 
and I just kind of rifled through the index a little bit and through a couple of pages. And I just, I just knew that I was supposed to read this. I just, I felt hope for the first time in my life. And I, I really had no idea why. And I, I knew that this was probably from God. You know, I just, I just had that understanding. And so got home, ditched the car, wiped it down for prints and remind me some other time. I'll tell you about how I made that right. With the car <laughs> and the family, But took the book and went home and started reading it from cover to cover. I read half of it the first night. And then the next night I read the second half. And there for the first time, I heard the gospel, you know, that, that God made the world. And even though we were separated from him because of our sin and our mess, that he still loved us and sent his son, Jesus, who died on the cross. And that all my sin, all my shame, everything I'd ever done was, was placed on him. And he rose again. And I was so struck, so deep in my soul by the love of God. And I literally just got down on my knees at the invitation, you know, in the book to, to actually receive Christ, to actually decide to follow him. And I did. I got down on my knees, brother, and I just wept as I just repented and turned my life over to him. And he just flooded into my life from that very moment. And from there, I, you know, began to glow and levitate, and I've had no problems ever since, you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, I wish, I wish that were true. It, it was an, just the beginning of such an incredible journey. I was 17 years old at the time, and right from there, my, my life was absolutely changed. I started to, I remember my next prayer the next morning was, you know, God, thank you so much for last night. This is amazing. And, you know, the book said that I need to read the Bible and get plugged into a church. And, you know, I'll, I'll do the church thing, I guess, on Sunday, but I need a Bible. And this was the next day, you know, I, my first day as a Christian. And I was pretty much the first Christian I'd ever met. So I didn't really know how to do this whole thing. So went to my friend's place about 20 minutes behind. Her name was, was, was Monica. And I walked into her house and she had no, I didn't tell her that I had done this. I didn't have a chance to really bring it up yet. But I noticed on her counter was this huge red NIV Bible. Hmm. And I walked up to her and I said, hey, like, how come you have this? And she said, well, it's really weird. She said, my, my aunt gave it to me two days ago. And she said that God told her that I was going to need it. And she said, I don't know why she thinks I would need it. I don't want it. She said, do you want it? Here, you take it. It's yours. You, you can have it. And I was so struck that God had answered my prayer within a half an hour and provided me with my own Bible. And so I took it home. I just started reading. And it was probably months before I actually found my way into a church. But boy, I tell you, the Word of God is living and it's powerful and it's active in your life. You know, when you really read it. And did eventually get plugged into a church and started sharing Christ with just about everybody I've ever known. And so that's why I'm excited to be with, with E3 partners and with Time Second. That's their mission to, you know, bring Christ to the world. And I just love being a part of that in all its ways, shapes, and forms. So, yeah, wow. it's been, been a pretty incredible journey, but that was, that was pretty much where it began. 
Yeah, that, that's great. And as you were sharing that, you mentioned how you know, some of the ways that God had intervened, if you will, or had kind of gone above and beyond providing that Bible and some of the other things. I'm wondering, as you, as you think about those formative months or years in your life, was there also maybe a person or a few people that poured into your life in a significant way? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, in the front cover of the, the book was a name that said, his name was Kelvin, Kelvin Goreski. And I was pretty sure I knew who he was because there was a Goreski girl in my high school and we were in some of the same classes and I was pretty sure that was her dad. And so I carried the book around with me for, for quite some time with the intention of, of getting it back to him and, you know, making things right in my life and all those kinds of things. And so I actually found him one day up uptown and I, walked up to him and it wasn't his car, but it was his book I learned. And, um, but I walked up to him and told him that I said, Oh, Mr. Gresky. I said, I, I have something of yours. And I opened up my backpack and I gave him the book and I said, and he was kind of, he, I could see the interest in his eyes. He was like, Oh, did you read it? And I said, yeah, I sure did. And I did that thing in the back where you can choose to follow Jesus. And he just lit right up and gave me this big hug. And he's like, well, where are you going to church? And he got me plugged into the church and he would regularly pick me up. He'd take me for coffee and introduce me to people. He would always give me worship music and he would just spend time and we would talk about things that I was reading in scripture and taught me a lot about end time stuff and how to understand revelation and, you know, how to just walk, how to pray. He took me to events like mission fests and other youth stuff and big citywide worship nights and just kind of kept speaking life into me and encouraging me in my walk. So he was the instrumental, especially in those first one or two years. Wow, that's really incredible. So as I'm thinking back to that time and you know those formative those those formative months and those formative years, clearly those have kind of formed who you've grown to be, if you will. As you think back through your mm-hmm. life, are there maybe any foundational scriptures that have become really important to you as you think about living out your life? Yeah, you know this the story that really resonates with me a lot is is the prodigal son. Uh, I've always really really loved that one. Just the the grace that God has for, for lost people when they come back, the open arms, the fact that though he was still a long way off, the father ran to him. You know, that I love that. Though he was still a long way off, you know, he hadn't sorted out all the problems he'd caused. He hadn't sorted out all the mess, but while he was still a long way off, the father ran. And I remember that really, really standing out to me. As well as, you know, I think it's Galatians 2.20, you know, for I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah. That was a really incredible comfort to me to, to know that, you know, as, as I, as I started living this new life, knowing that, that Jesus is inside me, that his power, his life, that he is that close with me, that his Holy Spirit and his very presence is with me and you know, the life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the son of God, you know, who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and so I felt like I wasn't alone. I never felt alone, you know, and I would think about that scripture a lot. And even as I, you know, in high school, I'd walk to the bus in the morning and, you know, I had a, a couple of minutes there to just really worship and walk slowly every morning. And, and I remember just, stopping and, and thinking about that, that, that Christ is in me 
And I would feel such peace and still do. But I remember those scriptures just really being alive at the time. It's was, it was good, good hope. Yeah. Is there anything that God's been showing you over the last few months or the last year? Yeah. One is, is how his gifts are irrevocable, you know, and his calling, you know, and his election is sure. And there's, there's just times, you know, when I don't know if you've ever experienced this, probably if you're you know engaging any kind of ministry, but there's, there's times where you, you get caught up in the, in the busyness of it all. And sometimes you get a little worn out, a little tired, a little beat up and, and you can feel, you know, man, you know, am I, am I doing anything right? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you can almost lose your relationship with Christ in the midst of all that busyness activity and emails and, and all the things that, that, that start to pile in and, and kind of, I would say kind of cut in on your intimacy with Christ and the simplicity of what it is to walk with him. And, and in those times I, I find I, I can really question whether I'm doing anything right or am I completely off track? And am I, you know, and, and then that's when I just, there's so many times in there where, where the Lord just assures, you know, that, that he's with me and, you know, I'll wake up and look at, you know, the verse of the day from the Bible app. And I, I love that. Cause it's just a great, way to start. And then usually I'll just go and read the full chapter and keep going from there and, and use that as, as a lot of the guide from where to go that day. And man, it's, it's just so awesome how the same consistent things keep popping up. And even in the last week, the ones are, are scriptures. I just keep finding them. doesn't matter where I go. It's, and it's, it's about, you know, the Lord will not let the righteous be shaken, mm. you know, and he will, he will set you you know, firmly on a rock, you know, and, and just that, that steadfastness that God is and the assurances that he's with you and will keep you in the midst of it just causes me to hit pause on everything and just give thanks and stay, stay in tune with him. You know, the busier we get, the the more intentional we have to be about that. You know, I, I've stopped using the term finding time and, and, and really starting to use the term making time because mm. that's two different things. You know, so I'm, I'm learning to do that. Certainly haven't achieved it, but, but I'm working towards that. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat actually. Just this morning, I was kind of reflecting on my time with God and, you know, recently it just hasn't quite felt like I've been hitting on all cylinders. And so I, I kind of went back mm-hmm. to some of the ways that I used to do things. I would get out a journal and that kind of thing and just take a few minutes because it's so easy to sit down and, you know, pray for a couple of seconds and not really spend any time abiding with Christ or to open up a Mm -hmm. devotional and read two verses and then somebody's take on those two verses, but never really connect with the scriptures. And so right now I'm listening to what you're sharing about, you know, just checking out the verse of the day and then using that to guide into perhaps reading the whole chapter. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe that's a direction that God's leading me right now, because it is something that I've been seeking about. And I'm, my hope is that I've found the answer in what you've shared. We are going to need to take a quick break though. 
And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry. I'd like to take just a minute to tell you about another podcast that I think that you should check out. If you enjoy the Engaging Missions show, you definitely want to check out the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland. He's been a guest on the show, he's a friend of the show, and he's just recently finished up a series where he was on location in Thailand talking with some missionaries there about leadership. I thought it was a really, really interesting discussion. You can check that out at fxmissions.com. I think it's worth your time to at least give it a second to check it out. All right, we're back with Danny McKay. He's just been almost reading my mail in terms of sharing some of the things that God's been revealing to him over the last few months. Now we're shifting our focus, though, more toward the ministry that's going on. And in particular, I think I'd like to start off by just maybe focusing on what's going on in Canada. So, Danny, I know that you minister in Canada as well as globally. What are one or two of the things that are going on in Canada right now that are really exciting you or really lighting a fire under you? Oh, man, I can only share two. That's good. <laughs> One of the things I'm really excited about is what God is doing amongst our French Canadians. We just launched under the great leadership of, we call him JF because it's very difficult to pronounce his name, but it's Jean-Francois. And he, <laughs> he has such a passion and vision to reach French-speaking Canadians. And so he has launched what we call Je suis deuxième, which is the I am second films in French. So you can go to je suis com. Good luck. Hopefully Google will help you correct that spelling. <laughs> no kidding. And what's really cool, I think he just launched his eighth film, all French speaking Canadians sharing their story, just like, you know, at I am second. And what's really interesting is the province is Quebec, where, you know, the, the majority of our French speaking Canadians live, and they're 90, 99.6% unreached. Wow. Yeah. Very few Christians, very few evangelical churches in that region. So he's got such a passion to bring the gospel to them. And a Quebec produced film you know, launched and, and, and kind of sent into social media and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. If it gets 5,000 hits in Quebec, that's a, a pretty good film. You know, okay. uh, if it hits 10,000 hits, that's considered rock star status. Wow. But with JF films, they, we've just passed the 1.4 million hits mark. Whoa. And so they've really gone viral throughout Quebec throughout the rest of Canada and even into other French speaking countries. And so God has really placed a lot of favor on that local secular newspapers and radio programs are picking up on this and are highlighting it, just giving it more and more propulsion into the, you know, the, the unreached people groups there. And so JF is, is really building up teams that are coming on board. They're going out, hitting the streets, sharing the gospel, people are coming to Christ and it's really, really exciting. So that's, that's one thing. Another thing that God is doing is amongst the Filipino community here in Winnipeg. Okay. I met a young guy at a youth retreat. I was the speaker. He was a volunteer at a, at a church in a youth group and he was just working at Toys R Us as an assistant manager, wasn't doing much with his life. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, him and I started connecting and I started to really just share with him and, and, and started spending time with him, discipling him. And God really just transformed this guy who just felt the call of God 
on his life and decided to start really getting active in ministry and started sharing the gospel with his friends. Within about six months, he had led and helped others lead about 200 other Filipinos to Christ. And this spawned into a movement that has now probably hit over 600 Filipinos. He's planted a church that breaks off into 36 house churches. And they've had this year probably close to 90 baptisms. And, you know, we, of course, started to train them all and, and the leaders and in, in four fields, you know, which is, you know, kind of how to, how do you enter into your community? How do you share the gospel? How do you make disciples? How do you form churches, healthy churches? And how do you reproduce leaders? And started to really work with him and, of course, his own gifting. And, and God is just really moving throughout that community. So it's exciting. They're taking a, a huge group of Filipinos and going over to the Philippines to go and do some outreach there as they're heading back to their homeland to wow. go and share amongst their own communities. So exciting, exciting stuff happening here in Canada. But those are two good highlights of some of the stuff God is up to. That's really great. So you, you shared that there are quite a number, I think about 600 Filipinos now that have come to Christ. And, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. I would imagine it's really difficult to walk in that tension of celebrating the amazing thing that God has done and also continuing to keep the vision of what's left in front of people. How are you able to do that? You know, you're exactly right. That is the challenge. Some of the challenges is, of course, making sure that what you're teaching, you know, makes it down into the different generations. Of, of growth that are happening. Filipinos, you know, we, we don't want to tell them not to gather together in a, in a large sort of one big church. We want to keep those into small, quickly reproducing groups and, and churches. But, you know, the, the, the Filipino community loves to get together in a large number. So some of it is kind of figuring out what works best for them and what also keeps the strategy going forward. So what we discovered is, you know, hey, let's get together on Sunday mornings and do a full-on celebration service of all the good things that God is doing and have all the components of like a traditional church. But let's make sure everybody goes back once a week and they're all plugged in and every new believer gets plugged into a, a home group, you know, a house church, where they can actually go a little bit deeper and look at the commands and you know, pray together, hold each other accountable, set goals and that kind of, that kind of thing. But they're very, very evangelistically focused. You know, they want to share. It's just intrinsic in them. As soon as they get saved, they just immediately want to reach out to their own oikos. So that's beautiful that we don't always have to, come on guys, come on, you got to share. Did you share? No. How come? You know, that's very rarely an issue. They just want to you know, and, and they do. And what's great is, you know, mom comes to Christ and then dad comes to Christ and then all the kids come to Christ and then the cousins come to Christ and the grandparents come to Christ. And then you know, it just, it just spreads so quickly. So that's, that's really exciting because it's not really so amongst, you know, other, other Canadians like, you know, 
my own my own people group. <laughs> well, yeah. So. I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm probably not exactly your ideal person either, right? I I get that I have some challenges with obedience, especially in that area, and so it's great to hear about a, an entire group of people that doesn't have that challenge. And I'm also mm-hmm. really excited to hear that you know you have stuff going on internationally. First off, because I think that as an American, sometimes I need to hear that you know what God does send people from other countries out into the world because it, it seems like sometimes we think we've got the corner on the market, right? Yeah, but you've mentioned that the trip that the Filipinos are planning to take. What other things do you have going on internationally? We send out teams. You know, with with E3 partners, we've got. You know, we're working in fifty six different countries, and so many Canadians are jumping on board, and our teammates are jumping on board and and going on some of these trips that that are happening every second day of the year. E3 partners has a team that's going out somewhere uh, as we send out two hundred and. 30, 240 mission teams every year. So thousands of people are being mobilized. And so a lot of those are Canadians that are going along into those teams. I just got back from the Amazon was the the last trip I took. I led a team there with my friend, Paul Colburn out of Birmingham, Alabama. And we went to the Shawi, which are a, they're less than 2% have ever heard the gospel. So we went there. We went to the Amazon through Peru. So from here, from Canada, that was a two and a half hour flight, and then a three and a half hour flight, and then a six hour flight, and then an hour and a half flight into the jungle. And then it was a two hour drive to the mouth of the <laughs> river, and then a 10 hour boat ride. Then we switched over to two smaller boats and went for another two and a half hours, complete with a propeller breakdown and getting splashed by an alligator and some rain and thunder. That was a pretty exciting place to be. (laughs) And then a two hour, two and a half hour hike just to get to this village. So a huge journey just to go to these people, but we were able to enter into the village. We had double translation just to to make contact. We had to speak English and then translate into Spanish and then Spanish to Shawi. They'd respond Shawi. And we, you know, back to Spanish, back to English, but we were able to share the gospel and do a training there of some of the evangelical Christians and leaders that we, that we were able to make contact with there. And there were about 10 of them. And then they split off and went back out to their villages. And so we tagged along with them. And so this one village we were able to go into that leader that we had trained there stood up for the first time and shared his testimony and the gospel for the first time to his entire village. And 13 people came to Christ, including the chief and his own father. So that was a really, really exciting trip. And so we're going back in March and in April, two separate teams, one to do some training and one to go out into the villages and do some follow-up and teach them on church, teach them on how to share the gospel and just continue the discipleship process with, with of course, our nationals. So just a, a little snapshot of some of the things yeah. that are happening. So when, when I think about this trip to, to the Amazon, first off, I'm thinking there's a lot of culture shock that could go into that. But second, the, the type of ministry that you're talking about, I, I'm just wondering, do you take people with you that are already trained and equipped, or do you take people with you and the trip is part of their training and equipping, or is it some kind of combination of both? It's a combination of all that. We had some people that this was their very first missions trip, and we have some people that, you know, are, are, are coming on staff. And, and this was, you know, part of the, the process for them to be trained. 
and others who are on the trip who, you know, have a huge amount of experience and this is, this is what they do. So it's open to, to everyone. And we always provide the training before we go so that people can help us in the training process. So we're willing to take people that are, you know, new and fresh and just want to learn and those that just want to sharpen some of those skills and, and put them to use that they, you know, have already, already have. So and, yeah, and we do a mixture of the both. And that training that you're talking about, the, the preparation, does that include only the, the tools and the skills to share the gospel and to, to make disciples? Or is there other training that goes into that that's also related to cross-cultural relationships and things like that? Yeah, no, we do, we do all of that. We definitely want to prepare people for each you know, culture that we're going into, whether it's you know, into the Middle East, which also have been there recently, or whether you're going into the Amazon or whether you're going into, you know, anywhere where we're taking a team. Another one of our teammates just got back from Nicaragua. So yeah, there's, there's cultural things. There's, there's sometimes different tools that we use to share the gospel. In some places, you know, we might use one tool and another place we use a, another type of tool, just depending on which one is, is more effective. So yeah, we try to try to figure out what that's going to look like and, and give people the preparation. And, and a lot of it happens once we hit the ground. Mm. You know, we take time every morning with our teams and spend some time usually after shortly after breakfast, we wake up early, have breakfast. And then we'll spend an hour to two hours each morning just training, going over what the focus of the day is going to be. But we definitely want the tools to be simple, biblical and repeatable so that it's easy to learn and easy to teach others. So that's always our goal. And we also want people to come home feeling equipped now that they can continue on doing this in their own home territory. So that's really important to us as well. Yeah, that, that actually leads into one of the things that I was kind of wondering about. So my experience with missions is that you almost always come back a different person, right? I mean, you almost can't because you've had an encounter with God and an encounter with a different culture. What are some of the kinds mm-hmm. of transformations you've seen in people's lives when they return from a trip like this? Well, I'd say a good portion of the, the Canadians that we're recruiting on staff right now are people who've been on a trip. Mm. And a very common, uh, a very common experience is, is, you know, people hear about this trip you know, that, that's, that's coming up, you know, whether, you know, it's uh, online or they, they see a post on Facebook or they, you know, hear it on a radio program or maybe at a missions conference or something. And we're sharing all these stories. And it's one of the, one of the greatest joys I think I have in my role is I also get to do a lot of speaking, you know, at conferences and things like that and tell those stories. And so people get excited and, you know, they, and, and, and then we, we, we invite them. So, you know, you can do this too. In fact, we've got a trip coming up just this April. If you'd like to, you know, and we invite them to, to consider it. And so some people just feel that, that tug of maybe this is my, this is my chance, you know? And so they come on that trip and they experience it and they break through all those fears. They break through all those anxieties and those, those setbacks that they always figured they had. And, and they break through that. And then a very common thing, and hear people say, and I come back is, I don't know how to go back to my life. You know, I, I just, this is what I want to do now. I just want to keep sharing the gospel. I want to go after lostness. So we see people, you know, capture, uh, having their hearts captured by God for lostness. And they come to want to keep doing something significant for him and continue on being vocal 
being intentional and, and sharing the gospel around them. So that's always exciting for us to hear and see. And if somebody's listening to this right now and they're thinking, you know, I think I'd like to have some of that kind of training, or I might even be interested in a, taking a trip with Danny or a trip similar to that, what's a good way for them to take that first step? Well, they could email me. I have a trip coming up in July. We're taking a team into the refugee camps in Germany. And there we're going to be doing two days of training with the nationals. And so we need we need people to help with that training or even just to sit in on that training and learn right there on the ground. And then we're going to go out to Syrian refugee camps and to other refugee camps. And we're just going to go and share the gospel and pray over people and, and just go out and love, love them and listen to their stories, listen to their pain. And we're going to go and be just the hands and feet of Christ right there in, in Germany and in, in Berlin. So if they'd like to email me, it's Annie.Mackay. So D-A-N-N-Y dot Mackay, M-A-C-K-A-Y at E, the letter E, three partners dot org. And I'd love to, to chat with them and, and get them connected into either that trip or other upcoming trips that, that we have on the go. So that would be one great place to start. They can go to our website, e3partners.org, and click on trips and, and take a look around there. And July 28th to August is the particular trip that I'm talking about. There are literally hundreds of other trips to take a look at. But if they'd like to join me, I'd love to have them. Excellent. Sure. And I will, I will make sure to have all of that available in the show notes. So if you click through to the show notes page, then we'll have that for you right there. Now, Danny, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward our listeners. Okay. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Recently, we're, we were on a trip overseas and uh, we were leading a short-term trip. And one of the big things that he's been, he taught me then, and then he's been teaching me even as I've returned back to the States is who to fear. Um, and so I, we were on this trip and I was just concerned because it was a country that we wanted to keep going in and out of, and I didn't want to get in trouble with my visa. And we were there to share the gospel and everybody that we were interacting with actually was connected to the police. And so it was just like everyone that we were led to was connected to the police. And it was like, okay, like I'm, I'm here to share. And so I would share. And it was, it was like seven days, Brian, of God just teaching me not to fear man. He was like, why do you fear any of these people? Like if I want anything to happen, I'll make it happen. And if I want your visa to stay clear, then it's going to stay clear. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with Danny. And as we head toward the home stretch, we're going to start shifting our focus more toward you as the listeners. Now, Danny, we've talked a lot about getting some training, about opportunities to begin ministering. If somebody wants to take that first step right now, if they want to take action right now, where would you point them to start learning or getting some training? Yeah, you know, if a couple of things come to mind. One is if, if you'd like to look at some videos, if you'd like to learn a little bit of how we teach and how we train, you can go to our website, e3partners.org, 
and you can click on training or on resources and scroll down there and see some of the training videos that we have. They're uh, very short, broken up into very specific parts. And you can click on that. There's some downloadable stuff. But real quick, just now, while you know everyone might be listening, one of the most effective things that we have found is what we call the miracle question. And, and this helps you get spiritual conversations started easily. And why that's important is because 90, 98% of North American Christians don't share their faith. We've discovered that through some of LifeWay research and things like that. 98% of North American Christians don't share their faith. And one of the big reasons is they don't know what to say. They don't know how to start the spiritual conversation. And so we have found the miracle question to be a really effective one. And that is simply just offering to pray for somebody, but clarifying what you're, what you mean by praying for them. So for example, I like to do this every time, you know, a server at a restaurant brings the food. I like to just quickly say, you know, Hey Maria, thanks so much for bringing our food today. And, and before we, we, we thank God, we're just wondering, is there anything when we do that, that we could pray for you? You know, like if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? You know, we clarify with that question. If God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? Because it's very invitational, not confrontational. It's not, hey, do you have, you know, do you have a few minutes to talk about this and then jumping <laughs> right into an issue? It's an invitation into a conversation, not a, not a presentation. And we like that, you know. And I also love it because they remain, like the ball is still in their court. They sort of still maintain control and aren't forced into an awkward conversation they may not be ready to have because it's an easy out. Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. You know, and we get that sometimes. And I'm being honest with you. That's probably yeah. the worst answer we ever get. Wow. Isn't persecution in North America super intense, but <laughs> people will just simply say, no, thank you. Or like what happens often and regularly when we ask that question is people will just literally open up and share with you and take you right into the depths of some of the biggest struggles going on in their lives. And so I do that on airplanes, gas stations, when we do go throughout neighborhoods and knock on doors, we just say, you know, hey, my name's Danny, this is Brian, and we're just going through the neighborhood today, just praying for the community, and we're just wondering, is there anything that we could pray for you and your home and your family? You know, like if, if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? You know, we just have found that to be a really effective, great conversation starter. You get a quick temperature of where they're at spiritually. If they shut you down, say no thanks, or whether they take you in, you say, well, would you mind if we prayed for that right now? And most people, if they've already been willing to share, they're willing to have you pray. And so we'll pray for them right there. And from there, we'll jump into like a 30 second story of how, you know, one of us came to Christ or how we experienced something similar, but God delivered us. And, you know, and we'll say, have you ever heard a story like that? Or, you know, and, and, and let them respond. Cause again, it's a conversation, not a presentation. And then from there, we'll say, well, let me show you something. And then we'll just use a simple tool called the three circles, which if you go on YouTube and just punch in three circles, gospel tool, or just three circles, you'll find a quick demonstration there of what that is. And it's just a simple drawn out way to share the gospel with pen and piece of paper. And we'll share the gospel with them and say, is that something you'd like to do today? Would you like to turn your life over to Christ and start believing in him and following him? And, 
you know, just really keeping things simple. People can learn those skills very easily. And just like playing an instrument, the more you do it, the more you practice, the better you get at it. I mean, sure, you pick up a violin and start playing it. At first, it, it makes a lot of squawky noises and mistakes. And doesn't, but you know, the, as you do it more and more and more and practice and start making this a part of your everyday life, you get better at it and better and see more fruit. So, yeah, th- those are some simple practical things that I could give right now over the air, as well as you know, check out the website for some other videos that might take you a little bit deeper into some of those things. Yeah, that, that's really great. And, you know, one of the things I was going to ask or had considered asking is if there are ministry opportunities that we often miss that are right in front of us. It sounds like they're all over the place. We just don't see them. Are there any key places where you found that people are most likely to be open to receiving prayer? Yeah, airplanes, especially when it's turbulent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, you know, it's not even a joke, but it, it is kind of funny, but no, I, you know, it, it, it's hit and miss, but you know, I, I love for some reason, you know, gas stations. And I, I think maybe it's, you know, just because, you know, I drive a lot, but I, I love it when you're just at a gas station, you know, and there's someone working there and, you know, maybe it's later in the, in the evening and it's quiet and, and they're generally just, you know, bored or whatever. And most people come in, you know, and we, we talk about the weather and, you know, that kind of thing. And thank you. And we walk away. But, you know, if we stop, like I did, I was speaking at a missions conference and I was actually teaching and training on sharing the gospel. And I do try to live this out as well as not just train it and, and speak about it. And so I stopped one night and, and went into this gas station and, and, and bought, bought a drink and I was on my way back to my hotel room. And I just, as I was leaving, I just kind of turned back to the guy and I said, Hey man, listen, you know, I believe in God and I know he answers prayer. And I was just wondering, is there anything I can pray for you? You know, if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? And his shoulders just sunk. And he just said, man, I am not happy. I came to Canada. He was from India and he said, I just, I feel so alone. I've been here five years and I'm you know, I'm working at a gas station. This isn't the vision that I have for my life. I have a degree in engineering, but I just can't find any work. And, you know, he said, so I'm just really discouraged. And, and this is very hard. I have no peace, no peace. <laughs> he just opened up his entire life hmm. to me right there. And so I spent the next hour and 15 minutes just sharing my testimony, my story of how I came out of hopelessness and found Jesus and sharing stories from the Bible and just answering questions back and forth. And he worships Ganesh, he said, is his God. And so I said this, well, would you let me pray for you about these things? And he said, sure. And then I asked him, I said, do you have any pain in your body? And he said, yes, I have a lot of pain in my right side on my back and on into my legs. And so I said, okay, well, let me pray about these things. And so I just took his hand over the counter and I prayed with him. I prayed that God, I said, God, thank you that you love him. And his name was Meet, M-E-E-T. Hmm. And I, I prayed over him that God would open a door in his life, that he would, you know, just really bless him, give him peace and create some opportunities and some good things. And, and then I prayed and asked God to heal his back and his leg in Jesus' name. And I looked up and he was staring at me with wide eyes. And he said, what did you do? 
And I said, well, I, I didn't do anything, brother. What are you feeling? And he said, the pain is gone. He said, I felt power go through my whole body. And he said this right there in the gas station. He said, I no longer worship Ganesh. Now I follow Jesus. And then he said, hallelujah. Is that the right word? <laughs> and <laughs> nice. I said, yes, it is. And he gave his life to Christ right there, you know, and I've been in touch with him ever since. He's now in Toronto, got him a, a Hindi Bible and, 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 and the process of getting him connected with some people there that'll continue to disciple him. Uh, he's had some opportunities open up in his life and God is working on him. But here's the thing, you know, when I, when I left that gas station, I thought to myself, man, how many times do I breathe in, breathe out? And there's someone that is ripe for the gospel. And how will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone speaks? And so we have these opportunities. Our teams stopped praying for opportunities to share the gospel. We stopped because they're all around us. God's already given us the opportunities. Instead, now we're starting to ask God, give us boldness. Give us courage. You know, because that's really what we're up against. We're not really up against a lack of opportunity. We're up against a lack of courage in ourselves and, you know, to share. So when we take those opportunities with something simple like the miracle question, we have no idea what God can do with that. Wow. So, so powerful. How can we pray for you? Mm. Well, you know, like any other full-time missionary, we're, you know, always five steps forward, three steps back when it comes to support raising. So we have some new goals for 2017 because of the doors that are opening, hmm. you know, into the Amazon, into the Middle East, into Europe and other, other places in the world where we're mobilizing teams. And with that comes, uh, you know, an increased need for, for supporters that, that, you know, support you financially. So we're in the midst of kind of ramping up towards another hike in our need and percentage but we trust God, but we, you know, these things come through, through prayer and faith. So we want to be faithful to that. But yeah, if you could pray for that, for me and my family, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And, and, and another thing is honestly, just knowing what to say yes to and what to, to say no to, or to, to turn over to somebody else. And just the wisdom on, on that, because I like to do it all. And sometimes I overcommit myself and, and, you know, really want to, I want to be intentional and definitely want to be fruitful, but you know, I want to do it at the Lord's pace, not at, at my own. So yeah, you pray for those two things. Very good stuff. That'd and, be huge. and for those of you who are listening, if you're interested in connecting with Danny, the trainings that he's talked about, maybe connecting with him and becoming part of that support team or praying for him, we will make sure to have links to all the resources we talked about in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Danny Mackay. Now, Danny, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Oh, man, it was really great. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, it was a real, real joy. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for me as well. Seriously, it was a huge pleasure. One of the things I very often like to do is 
take a moment to hear from my guests about things that God's been showing them recently. And today I want to take a pause and do that for you because over the last week or so, God's revealed or rather reignited something in me, and I want to share that with you. Before I do that, though, I do want to mention, because I haven't before in this episode, I am in the middle of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. I'm praying and believing God for $4,000 to help support their ministry so that they can provide resources for the global church to engage Muslims for the gospel. That's not what I'm talking about, but I did want to mention that. So here's the deal. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been working on some stuff, and God has recently shown me something. We all kind of, I think, want to have blissful, integrated lives. We, we sometimes maybe feel pulled in many directions. We have struggles, and this can impact us, whether we're in vocational ministry, volunteering, working in the marketplace, taking care of kids, maybe, maybe especially when taking care of the kids. That's sometimes a bit of a challenge. And one of these is very often, this is very often the challenge that could be self-imposed. Maybe we just want to do more than we can actually do. But the more critical challenge, at least in my mind, is when these priorities are coming from somewhere outside of us, when we have people that we've made commitments to, and there are conflicting expectations. And the the problem I have sometimes, at least in my life, and I don't want to put this on you, but sometimes in my life, I find that I'm ignoring the spiritual principle that's found in Matthew 6.24 that no man can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Now, I hope and I pray that I'm not trying to serve both God and money, but I do find times in my life when I I feel like I'm trying to serve two masters. And I'll, I'll share a little bit of a story that'll maybe highlight this for you. I have known that this is in Scripture for a while. Sometimes I maybe just ignore that. And what brought this to the front is that... I work a full-time job. I have this podcast, and I'm trying to build some things on the side as well. And recently, I picked up a journal to help me focus on one of these goals. The, the journal itself is called The Self Journal. Don't let that weird you out. I'm using it as a resource. And one of the things that this journal asks you to do is choose a single focus for an entire quarter for 13 weeks. Mine is built on is focused on building up my skills as a podcast host and as an editor and then beginning to offer those skills to authors, magazines, ministries, businesses, that kind of thing. But as I've been working on this, I've kept thinking to myself, it's great that I have this, but what about work? I have a job. What about my goals and my focus at work? And and don't get me wrong, I do try to keep, you know, I do try to do that, but I've discovered that sometimes maybe my heart isn't 100% into it and this journal just kind of brought that out because it only allows me to focus on that one goal there. And and that's the realization then that brought me back up. I I feel like maybe sometimes I'm trying to serve two masters and that I love one and hate or despise the other. And I, that's not the way I want it to be. And so just being transparent here, I feel like I'm kind of in that between space where I'm walking in that tension. And I've been here for a while, and I feel like it's coming to the place where God's maybe going to give me some clarity on what, around what I want to do. But maybe that's enough about me. What about you? What if you're in this place? Are you in the place where you're trying to serve two masters or two priorities, maybe two businesses, maybe a business and a ministry, and trying to juggle all of that and feeling torn or disconnected or disjunct in that? If so, it might be time for you to take a pause and meditate on Matthew 6.24 and ask God if he would reveal to you something about your situation. Ask him for his answers, because his answer will, all, will, will always be better than 
mine would ever be giving that to you. And and maybe also, if you think about it, pray for me because I'm needing his guidance as I walk this out. I'm I'm no different than you or anyone else because we're all in complete and total need of his grace and his guidance every step of the way. And for where I'm at, I want to know how to walk this in integrity so that I can continue doing what I'm doing, that I can do well by my employer, that I can do well by this podcast, and I can do well as I'm building something. And in all of this, that it would all be united in my submission to God as my one master. And and that would be my prayer for me. That's also my prayer for, for you, that God would re, would reveal to you what that should look like in your life. So just to kind of recap, over the last couple of weeks, I've it's just kind of come to a head that I've felt like I'm serving more than one master, and I don't feel like I'm walking that as well as I could. And it all comes back down to whether I'm willing to admit the reality of Scripture and then walk in it. Thanks to Danny McKay for being with us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Danny McKay. That's D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C-K-A-Y. You'll want to check those out. It's a great place to connect with our guest and to take action on what you've heard. Make sure you come back next week and we'll be hearing from Robert Harris about how often we have conversations about brokenness as well as how God's changed his perspective on spiritual warfare. If you want to make sure you don't miss that episode, the best way to do so is to subscribe using your favorite podcast app at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And if you enjoyed this show or know someone who could benefit from it, please help us spread the word. Your recommendation can help people connect with the resources they need to be equipped, inspired, challenged, and advanced in the gospel of the King. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.